Yeah, it's that Chinese medicine terms are kind of like intuitive when you listen to them. Like heat is obviously hot, so you're like, oh yes, that makes sense in my body, it's hot. Or if like dampness, like think of swelling and stuff. It's like you can explain these concepts very easily to like a patient and they can understand it very quickly rather than being like, ah yes, you have this sort of enzyme or biome that's not working inside your body and this is the bacteria that's causing this, blah, 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 and it just gets super confused. Welcome back to the Forever Young Podcast, a Chinese medicine podcast hosted by Chinese medicine graduates. We release episodes every week on a Thursday. If you're new here, feel free to subscribe or follow us to keep up to date with our uploads. This is usually where I introduce everyone's names, but as I did last week or last episode, it actually worked out pretty well. I'm going to ask a question to everyone so then and introduce their names so then you can match their voices to their names. So, my question for this week is, out of the three... Out of the three meals a day, what is your favorite meal and why? Let's start with Nick this time. Ah, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> um, favorite meal of the day and why? I don't know. I, I do like dinner. Dinner's a good meal. Because it's like a full me- like it's a like a full meal. Um and then it's often followed by dessert. So dinner's a pretty good meal. <laughs> I feel like it's like coffee. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna go with dinner. Breakfast, I force myself to eat. Mm. Lunch, I do enjoy lunch, but I have, if I work, my lunches are always the same because it's cheap. So dinner, I definitely spend the most money on, the most time on, um, the most effort. Yeah, because it's like, I'm going to go dinner. It's the most like intense meal because like you have so much variety and so much choices for dinner. Uh, uh, Yeah, that's right. Actually, that kind of goes with all meals. So I kind of backtrack on that. Yeah, but I feel like dinner takes the most effort. Yeah, facts, facts. All right, Charlene, what about you? I think mine is dinner also, just because, I guess, with working as well, breakfast is kind of like a quick thing for me. And then, because I'm very spacey, I sometimes forget to eat lunch. I enjoy lunch, but I often forget to eat it. So it's going to have to be dinner or afternoon tea. I do like just like a milk tea and some mm, that's a egg good tarts one. or like a club sandwich. But you said of the three, so you kind of cut out oh. my just default choice, which is afternoon yeah, tea. <laughs> <laughs> no, afternoon tea counts. I'll, I'll, I will allow. <laughs> yeah, it's like a, I don't know, I think it's an Asian thing to just go have afternoon tea. And it's like good memories with my parents in Hong Kong, sitting down, having a milk tea and like a club sandwich. That could be like a Chinese thing because I don't think Vietnamese people have um, like a concept of morning tea. It's more like eat for sustenance. <laughs> or else, kind of thing. if we're talking about specific food, like specific locations for meals, yum cha in Hong Kong or like just yum cha oh. in general is like my favorite. Do you usually you have... go for yum cha in Hong Kong? That was pretty good. Do you usually have oh, yum cha in, um, for lunch or dinner? morning breakfast breakfast or lunch it's like yeah (laughs) the morning the the tradition is like the old people like your grandparents um you go meet them in the early morning and then you sit and drink tea and eat all this food for like hours and hours um so then you can just roll around the city because you're nice and fat (laughs) (laughs) You pay some little minion to just kick you around the city all day. Or your grandkids. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Why pay? Why have to pay? 
I'd be questioning why you pay a little minion in the first place, but <laughs> uh, red, is that what red pockets for? Essentially, maybe, maybe. Right, so <laughs> yeah, what, yeah, yeah. What about you, man? Um, I think for me, it's probably dinner. I think dinner is the most consistent meal that I also have as well. Where it's like, oh, yeah, <laughs> dinner's the only meal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> it's uh, intermittent fasting taken to a whole new level, but. Sometimes I forget lunch or like lunch is very like, it's just leftovers. And then dinner is the, the new fresh meal that's cooked. So it's always like dinner, cook extra, lunch, leftovers. Dinner. Oh yeah. 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 No, that makes sense. Cause like lunch is like your, kind of like your bridge so that you're just not hungry before dinner. And if you like stuff up your timing, then it's like, oh wow, it's six o'clock and I'm not hungry. <laughs> like, yeah, pretty much. It's like the worst. It is the worst. Yeah. I've been trying to time it and like just eat as minimal as I can in the afternoon. Um, for me personally... What about you, B? Yeah. For me personally, I enjoy breakfast. I think for me, I don't know why, breakfast like uh, breakfast meal-wise is just so good. Like the the, the chia, like yogurts and stuff and um, chia bowls. Oh, I'm and... very conflicted about yogurt. Oh. Very conflicted. I think I've said this on the podcast before. Why? You... I, I enjoy yogurt. Yep. I like yogurt. Oh. Don't like the the thought of yogurt. It's a bit gross, but yogurt itself yeah, is good. Pretty much. But it's like it's cold and damp, and not very good for your body. But then it's got like good probiotics. Yeah, I was gonna say the probiotic side. Uh, is that win it yeah, for you? It's it's very. I'm very conflicted. Very very conflicted. What, what if you eat? Yogurt yeah, you talk like to a lot of Chinese med. Warm stuff. And they're like, like what? <laughs> what about you? Warm yogurt. Why would you eat yogurt? <laughs> no, like yogurt with like warm ingredients. Microwave your yogurt. Microwave. <laughs> well, one of the practitioners at clinic... It was gross before. No, nah, one of the practitioners at the clinic used to suggest... Um, also, a little tidbit for any of the listeners. To, if, you, if you have your yogurt straight out of the fridge, it's pretty harsh for your stomach. So if you leave it out uh, for like maybe a couple of minutes or like maybe 10 minutes or so to let it go to room temperature, it's easier for your stomach to digest. Yeah, it's just yeah, I, I, I can I can get on board with that. Yeah, if you microwave it but. for three minutes, it'll be great for your stomach <laughs> to digest. <laughs> <laughs> it also might be uh, a little bit curdy, but you know, there's nothing there's nothing that solids. Maybe, maybe eat it with like some um, like spiced fruit. Spiced cinnamon. fruot? Maybe that's the way to go. Or cinnamon. Mm. Yeah, I was gonna say I cinnamon always, as well. Mm. Yeah, I always put cinnamon on my yogurt. So yeah, with yeah, like, no, that's a, that's muse, like a gluten-free mm. muesli mix, and then Greek yogurt, um, and then like some strawberries, and then a banana every now and then because bananas like dampy as well, so I don't want to add too much of that at once. But yeah, yeah that's yeah. my go-to like yogurt mix. To be to be fair, yogurt isn't the most like isn't my complete favorite breakfast food. It's more of like the bacon and eggs type because like brunch. Uh, yeah, yeah, okay, you can call that brunch, yeah, yeah you can call it like a, like a, like a Fitzroy, excuse me, Fitzroy type of, a Fitzroy cafe type of uh, brunch, oh, the hipster in me just goes off, but it's funny that you do talk about uh, damp and all that, because what's our, what's our uh, topic for today? We're going to be talking about psoriasis for the next 30 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> That's very Why are you laughing? For the next thirty what? minutes, it's like it was. I had I had a slight cynical tone to it. It's like we're gonna be t- we'll oh, be talking about psoriasis for the next thirty minutes. No, no, this this will this will just about cap off our little derm series that we've had going 
over the last couple of weeks, interrupted by winter. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're going to chat about uh, psoriasis and, you know, what it's what it's like in the Western medicine world, what it's like in the Chinese medicine world, as always, and a little bit about treatments and what you can do and, you know, what you should avoid, stuff like that. Now, I feel like that psoriasis, psoriasis, I feel like, is very, very, very similar to eczema. And I think a lot of people do get that confused because they, they are both skin conditions. They're both inflammatory, inflammatory, inflammatory. That was weird. Um, um, not contagious, um, but they also have similar Wissamers and treatments like hydrocortisone and uh, steroid creams and things like that. Um, but I think there are some key things that kind of differ between the two. Uh, from what I've seen anyway, um, it's you get more of your purple and scaly presentations. Um, yeah, that's 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 generally the way the psoriasis can be seen. Is it, you know, it's very like you can sort of say like geographical, um, and it'll be like quite scaly, um, possibly purple, depending on what that underlying condition is. And we'll get to that a little bit later. But yeah, it's it's kind of like geographical. You can sort of really point it out and be like well, this is the lesion that's that's in question. You know, oh, that's that's going to be psoriasis. Or, you know, on the eczema side, you can, if you go back and listen to that episode, you can really distinguish the two when you're actually looking at the lesions. Yeah, but it, it get, it kind of, the types of psoriasis does blur the lines a little bit, and I'll go through the, the types of psoriasis as really skin, quick. As most skin yeah. conditions. Like, as we, were, we mentioned before, plaque psoriasis, uh, as it's f- uh, formally called, is the um, is the basically the most common one where you have your really um, the clear borders of the actual lesion. It's it stays there. It doesn't exactly spread too much and, until it like actually forms a shape of some sort. Um, then you have pustular uh, pustular psoriasis, which is more severe and uh, as as you can kind of like guess, it's um, the part like for, pustules form on the actual psoriasis on uh, the actual lesion. Um, you take psoriasis. I haven't really heard of that much i feel like it's mm. oh. gutate gutate yeah something like that yeah i thought you um, said butate i said i said i said gut is it gutate gutate it's definitely not gutate timmy's like oh gutate psoriasis i'm like gutate the ancient japanese psoriasis tata <laughs> that sounds more like Spanish. <laughs> yeah, <it's> Spanish. <laughs> uh, does anyone actually know what gutate? Gutate. 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 I think it's gut. I think it's gutate. Oh, it's um, with a double T. Yeah. yeah. So. Anyone familiar let, with that? Doctor Google. Let me consult my notes. It's characterized by multiple small scaly plaques on the trunk and limbs. Right. is Latin for a drop. Um, Did you know that? Okay, I thought it was going to be less cryptic. And it says that strep throat infection precedes onset, and it's like a quick onset, but it's only seen once in kids. Yeah, so it's it apparently found mostly in kids. It's, I'm just looking at the pictures now. It's, it's quite, um, like, circular. So instead of, like... You know, your classic psoriasis, you have sort of like semi-large plaque buildup um, that have like a clear border and stuff like that. But where in the gutate um, psoriasis, there are like little dots 
um, which have that plaque formation as well. But yeah, they're they're like raised little dots, similar to chickenpox looking, um, but yeah, a bit more severe. And that's mostly in children. They look very itchy. Yeah. Then after gut ache psoriasis, you have napkin psoriasis, which thanks to a little Google Im- image search I just did, um, it's basically seen in mostly infants um, and between two to eight months of age. So you get it around, you know, where you have your nappy rash and the buttocks and you know, the genitals of the actual infant. So um, it's usually... Cream. it's Yeah, it's usually in infants that kind of... Um, is usually your patients. Um, flexural flexural uh, psoriasis affects the body folds and genital areas. That's uh, that one. Plaque psoriasis and flexural psoriasis. I feel like two can those two can be often um, mistaken for eczema because yeah, both in the like the cubital fossa of like um yeah the cubital fossa of your arm, the like the little fold um behind your knee are two very 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 common spots for eczema. And you didn't know the the yeah uh, I, I, I could technical name. <laughs> what was it again? Pop. Are you talking about Papateal, the knee? Papateal crease. Papateal crease. Yeah, Papateal crease, yeah. <laughs> I, it left me. <laughs> it called me out like that. Um, yeah, those two areas are very very common for eczema. <laughs> I'm trying to move on, Nick. I'm trying to move on. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> Just having fun early in the morning. <laughs> it's too early for this. My brain's not working. Anyway. Yeah, so those two areas are very common for eczema and for psoriasis, just to make your life a little bit harder to kind of identify if it's eczema or psoriasis. Either way, treatments are pretty similar, but anyway. Um, and then there's etherodermic psoriasis, uh, which is more of your severe psoriasis and does require hospitalization. So you do have to be careful. You have to be careful with uh, identifying which psoriasis that you're dealing with. So apart from the the standard um, questions and stuff that we normally ask, which are itchiness, um, where the lesion is, you know, when did it start and how long has it been around? Is there any other stuff that we're looking for with psoriasis, Chinese med-wise? Anything else that you sort of incorporate into your diagnostic techniques? I think... I think one thing that's actually really interesting about psoriasis, even just apart from Chinese med a little bit, is the fact that you can get uh, uh, arthritic psoriasis or vice versa. I forgot what it's called. What's the actual technical name for it? Yeah, I think it's arthritic psoriasis. Yeah. Oh, psori- psi- uh, yeah, psoriatic, 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 psoriatic. Oh my God. You Seriously. said it too many times. It's just like... Yeah, I've said it too many times now to the point where it just sounds like sound i don't know psoriatic arthritis and apparently according to the website i'm looking at which is refer for reference betterhealth.vic.gov.au the simple like they don't know actually the reason why psoriasis can cause arthritis but it is interesting nonetheless that you see that those two correlate um i've had a patient before that had really bad arthritis on their hand and it affected their thumb joint so um, it it can get quite common, and that's a clear sign that psoriasis over eczema because there's nothing really affects the joints with do eczema. You, 
Do you think that maybe, because psoriasis from Chinese med is like wind, damp, dryness, and the blood's not flowing through there. So do you think maybe some of those, um, those, what do you call them? Like factors have like influenced the joint as well. And then like are affecting the movement of the joint. Hence why the arthritis is prominent in that area. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Um, yeah, it, it's very reflective of, reflective of how Chinese medicine works, and that it's and this is I say this every podcast. You know, it's we it's a very holistic medicine. You know, we treat <laughs> the whole body, um, and yeah, that's that's just another prime example where Western medicine goes. Well, yeah, these two things are directly linked, and we see them all the time together, but we don't really have an answer. Um, Every patient with this will have this, and we'll treat them separately because that's all we know. Um, and then, yeah, Chinese medicine has a very good view on that, where where we look at things holistically and everything's you know connected, and we can say, yeah, well, that dampness is affecting the joints, or you know, the blood deficiency, or yin deficiency, or you know, whichever path you choose to go down is is affecting that joint joint mobility. Um, so that's yeah, it's really good to see that connection. And then to see the Western medicine is just like, eh, we don't know. It's a little bit prideful with it. It's like, suck it. <laughs> suck it, GPs. <laughs> Something I just It's noticed. just good that we can have an answer. Yeah. What? Something talking about I noticed as well, butter. now that you mentioned it, is that... Um, oh, sorry, Pete. Sorry. No, 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 you're good. You're good. Do your thing. Do your thing. You made the face. Um, <laughs> Something, yeah, is that Chinese medicine terms are kind of like intuitive when you listen to them. Like heat is obviously hot, so you're like, oh yes, that makes sense in my body, it's hot. Or if like dampness, you like think of swelling and stuff. It's like you can explain these concepts very easily to like a patient and they can understand it very quickly rather than being like, ah yes, you have this sort of enzyme or biome that's not working inside your body and this is the bacteria that's causing this, blah, blah, blah. And it just gets super confusing for people. Yeah, I think yeah, that's that's true. I think because that's why I like Chinese studying Chinese med because you're able to visualize it and see how how it works cuz like all of the time where it's like, oh, you know, the the liver heat stirs up the wind and then ascends and things like that. That like that I can visualize and that I can kind of make sense of and connect it to the symptoms that are presenting and things like that. So in in what you were saying Tim like that's I completely agree. <laughs> This this might be a good time to um, say well introduce our new series that's going to be coming up, which is going to be an introductory series, and we're going to revisit mo- well all of those subtopics and you know go through the lung and the large intestine and the heart and the small intestine. We're going to revisit them and talk about what they do and how it all works and you know go through the chi and the blood, the yin yang, um, phlegm and damp as well, and sort of revisit most of those first year first semester topics were really quite confusing coming from nowhere. Um, so now that we're, we're finished university and we're out in the real world and we've got a fresh new perspective on, on how all these things work, uh, we're going to go re-back and visit them. Um, and, yeah. And now that we have... So that's, uh, that's going to be coming. So just keep, you, keep your eyes peeled for that. Now we have better audio equipment too and better setups and... Better recording, <laughs> better recording devices. Yeah, that's it. You know, it's going to sound yeah. a lot better than the old episodes. Yeah, I think some of the listeners have like who are interested in Chinese med, who want to like 
learn more about it. This is a good way without having to pay any money for it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It free, is. Classes. free classes. Free classes. We, we, yeah, we're basically a uni course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, let's, 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 let's uh, kind of steer it back to psoriasis a little bit. Yeah, come back um, to psoriasis. Did we, go, so, did we go through the Western, uh, sorry, the symptoms already or should we run through um, that? Not really, mm. but the, we went through the characteristics of psoriasis and the symptoms are fairly similar to most derm cases. Um, and, you know, coming back to Chinese medwise, you're looking for the itchiness, you're looking if the, the lesion is, feels hot or cold, where it is on the body. You know, if you can sort of match that with a meridian or, you know, a certain part of the body that the, that organ is related to, um, it gives you a good hint onto sort of where you should be going. Um, so most of the symptoms are going to be relatively the same. Yeah, definitely. And um, according to Better Health, my, my website today, um, the characteristics of red scaly patches on the scalp, elbows, knees, and other parts of the body, um, the itchiness, like Nick said, and the shedding of scales of the skin, which, like like you said, literally all eczema-related, uh, eczema symptoms. Um, but as, I, as we also said earlier, I think the, the definite defining factor is the very easy, like the easy-to-see borders of the actual lesion. Um, and I believe the... Also, another defining factor is the alleviation through sunlight is also a good one too, um, I believe. That's that's also a defining factor. That's of interesting. Psoriasis. Yeah, yeah. I, I always thought that, that was really cool because a lot of people, when I had eczema, were like, hey, try it out in the sun. The sun's really good for it. But they were getting confused with psoriasis. And I was like, mm, not as good. Yeah, for me anyway. Yeah, because I, I sort of normally associate, you sort of want to wear like full cover, cover loose fitting clothing um, so it doesn't sort of be impacted by the outside world too much. Yeah, but psoriasis, it's a little bit different. Um, it does benefit from a lot of sunlight. and uh, I wouldn't say exposure because it's it's end of the day, it's like an open wound. So exposure is a little bit, eh, so you want to be careful. But sunlight you, apparently works quite well. Do you know Can why? Yeah, another I'm, similar... I'm oh, interested... Oh, I was going to go on a different tip. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not sure why. No, no, no. I, that, no, no that, I'm going to go with Tim because I like that question. <laughs> yeah, we can, we can go question. <laughs> no, but I'm not sure why. I, I really, I, I, that's only something I've heard. I haven't looked full on into it. I probably should have before the podcast. Um, but I do, I, I'm, I'm assuming the UV rays are good for the regeneration of the skin. Maybe the replenish, um, the replenishing of the melanin. Um, which promotes uh, skin growth, I guess. Not sure. Uh, my question was, well, my thing was, do you guys like have time with, do you like put sp- specific time in the day where you go out into the sun with no protective, like no sunscreen, no protective block, like no sunscreen or anything? I saw a post about this um I think it was on Facebook, and they were asking about, like, time in the sun just to, like, soak in some vitamin D and stuff. But I was like, I, I, yeah, I'm not sure. I try to go for walks, but I guess Melbourne's really overcast at the moment, so... But just in general. I mean, I don't normally go out without sunscreen on my face, at least. The rest of my body, I'm 
like not as fussed about but normally I have like SPF in my moisturizer or like I put on actual sunscreen um, just for the face I don't burn or like tan as easily so I guess I'm not worried unless I'm out for like a full day trip like going to the beach I'm obviously going to put on sunscreen but for day yeah, to you're day spend the whole day in the sun yeah for day to day especially because we're in winter right now I it's not top of my mind but maybe in summer I will think about think about it more what about you yeah. guys I, I think for um because that that whole thing like direct sunlight which affects your skin um, but you also want that vitamin D and sunscreen takes a lot of that absorption away. So I think the the middle ground between the two would probably be like indirect sunlight. So like under a tree or like through, yeah, filtered, exactly. Um, that sort of stuff where you can get, still get that vitamin D without <clears throat> experiencing like the harshness of like UV rays from the, from the sun. Because there's the other, there's the other aspect of it where they say that, you know, sunscreen is very bad for your skin and you shouldn't be putting artificial stuff on your skin and all that stuff. So I was just like... Eh. <laughs> <laughs> you guys it, sorted out. I, it was it, um, it was quite a hot topic not that long ago, only a couple of years ago, about sunscreen and, you know, you, should, you shouldn't wear it, you should find whatever. And I was like, well, I mean, it protects you against sun cancer. <laughs> sun cancer. <laughs> Skin cancer. So it's true. I um, hate the sun cancer. Yeah, that's sun cancer's it. the worst. The world's full of it. I actually did uh. a bit of research because I was looking for a new sunscreen, and there's two types. There's like the organic type, and then the chemical type. So. I think those were the two. But basically, one sits on top of your skin and just provides, like, a barrier. And so the sun can't get in. And that's why you get that white kind of white cast um, because it doesn't sink into your skin at all. It just sits on top of it. So it's really heavy. And then the other type, I think, is more, like, goes into your skin to help the skin kind of not absorb so much UV. So it's interesting, like, that people are, like, don't wear sunscreen it's bad for you but then there's yeah the other side because you want to protect your skin from sun cancer it's it's <laughs> it's quite a hot topic i yeah. i straight up forget like i forget to put yeah, sunscreen I've on i've got fairly fair skin and i don't wear sunscreen at all get hardly ever get a like a day cream or a moisturizer with spf in it because if you do use um, moisturizer in the day or just like a face cream, Nick's shaking his head, but I'm sure. <laughs> <I don't laughs> um, yeah, yeah it's, it's easier. Like you don't have to think about an extra step. It's just like there within it. Do you have any? Re- yeah, you get something that combines the both of them. Do you have any stuff. recommendations? Um, the one I use <laughs> for our avid listeners. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm very avid. Avid okay. in listening. Well, the one I use right now is just the Body Shop. I think it's the seaweed, the one with SPF. It's like a light blue one. I don't know if you can find it everywhere because I tried to look for it in Hong Kong last time and I couldn't find it. But if you're in Australia, that one works for me because my skin's a bit oily. Oh, we're just going into skin stuff. It's <laughs> like, <laughs> damn. It's like damn. It's still relevant. Yeah. My skin's combination like oily and dry and I find it doesn't have too much oils because it's not oil based and it's like moisturizing as well but then the sunscreen that I just got is um 
I think it's called Ultraviolet. It's also an Australian company, and it's I've only used it twice at the moment. It's fine for now, I guess. There's not that much sun out to deal with, so I don't know. Maybe I'll have a review for you closer Ooh. to summer. <laughs> no. Forever young skincare edition. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's let's chat about um, Chinese medicine psoriasis. We we did touch on Western medicine stuff, um, and we might have skimmed over it a little bit. So if you do have any questions about that, leave them below or ask or whatever. Um, but we're going to kick off into the Chinese medicine side. What type of conditions are we looking for? What type of conditions are normally present? Um, yeah, what what's what. Dis- what what harmonies are we looking for? <laughs> I don't want to say it, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We're all thinking it. <laughs> I was totally thinking it. Um, I don't know. I think the I think I think organ wise again, like eczema is very similar. Like you get a lot of the a lot of the um the organs that are affected your your lung, your kidney, um, and spleen. I feel like those are very, very in line with um, the diagnosis and what you're basically looking at. And for me, anyway, I know that psoriasis is a little bit, I'd say it's a little bit uh, intense is the right word. I'm not sure if that's the right word, but it's more deep rooted. I feel like it's very, very deep rooted. More more, com- more commonly, psoriasis cases are uh, long term. You don't get a lot of acute psoriasis. They do exist, but you don't get a lot of it. So that's why I feel like looking at things like the kidney and the spleen um, is really important, but also uh, and also the lung will be affected because the kidney can't support um, the lung. Um, and the kid- that comes back to like the support of the, the skin and yeah. you know what this, this whole, this whole section segment was about. Um, you know, it's got that underlying topic of Wei Chi and, Nourishing the skin and the, the lung and the kidney. Yeah. So, so when you're thinking about your pathogenesis and your etiology and all that, um, think about how deep-rooted the actual condition is and um, and kind of just see uh, how, how far it traces back. And especially if it's uh, like since since uh, infancy or since, um, since childhood and things like that or more aggravated when they're growing up or if it's just a long-term thing, it, can, it really shows how far that pathway stretches out. Whether if it's just within the last couple of years, it could be just the lung really suffering. But think further, think further, and if if um if it's since when they were younger, think kidney, you know, um that type of thing. Um, I feel like that's a kind of like a good way yeah, to think about it. My my thought on that is, you know, definitely look at where it is and how it is. Um, you know, you you're trying to look at the lesion color. Is it more of that like palish reddish color is it more of the like the purple stagnation type of color or you know does it have quite a lot of like plaque build up is it really flaky you know is there some of that like damp happening or is it like dryness or yin deficient or blood deficient you know so you're really trying to look at the skin and you know I can't stress this enough when talking about derm you you want to see the lesion um you don't want to just be chatting about it. You you want to have a you know physical look and be like, oh, well, you know this is this either you know is eczema or psoriasis and and it, yeah, you want to see the characteristics of it rather than just describing it. That's it. Um, that's it. And you'll see a difference when you treat it too. Like let's say they have have a lot of um, yeah. 
it, it's very pale, for example. Once you start tonifying the blood and everything, you're going to see that, you know, the skin will become more lush in color, and this, and it might it might not alleviate the, um, it might not alleviate the actual itching or whatever's the main complaint about it, but it will definitely put the patient on the right path to have healthier skin and uh, have the skin recovery that little bit easier. And then you, uh, once you start, you know, nourishing the blood, then it might, then you know, it might um, be more lush in color, and the but still might be dry and flaky. So then you're like, okay, where are you going to go from there? You're going to um, nourish the skin specifically, do a topical cream or something like that. So, as Nick was saying, when you suss the actual lesion and take little aspects of, you know, it's dry or it's it's purple, or the, like the you know, the color presentation, uh, all the things that we usually learn. If you take those aspects of it and break it down and to make it easier for yourself as a practitioner treat each aspect at a time i feel like it, it it's um it's it's a good treatment plan that you can go off on also you can see where the lesion is located in terms of like the meridians and um what organs i kind of do some treatment that way as well even functionally i mean um even like both both in terms of meridian too, that was, that's really, really, that's like super important, but even simply like it could be where, okay, this is a very specific scenario, but it could be where they have a hole in their pocket and they like to, (laughs) you know, things like that. Or or, or they might have like, they wear, they might wear a, I don't know, a shoulder bag or something. And then they start getting um, itchiness on their shoulder. You think about, get them to think about that. Or like lesions under the bra for women and stuff like that. Yeah, more your contact type. Yeah. I, I did have another thought. <laughs> um, Go, Tom. <laughs> uh, I, I was wondering if we could like run it back to the fundamentals and like actually break it down to like, you mentioned like purpley is like blood stag. Like what else would you, you mentioned like scaly. What does normally like scaly or like very red or like that? Like what do different presentations mean? in terms of Chinese med? Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it is quite complex. Um, and, you know, more of that, like, scaly, reddish type of presentation. Um, personally, I'm looking at more of the blood side of as- aspect <coughs> of things. Um, so I'm looking for, like, is it, like, really blood-deficient presentation? Um, or, like, yin-deficiency type presentation, if it's, what like, are really those scaly... Yeah, if it's, like, really scaly and quite dry, um, you know, those... And the patient might be a little bit older. So you want to try and piece together the whole the whole thing. Um, or, like, the blood blood deficiency type. Is it quite red, but, like, that palish, reddish colour? Um, you know, is the patient quite deficient? Are they tired? You know, what do they do in their day-to-day life? It's If it's a... If it's a female, what's their menstruation like? Is it quite scanty and doesn't last very long? Um, you know, with that type, like dullish type pain or anything like that. Um, do they get headaches? You know, and then sort of looking at like if it's purple or anything like that. Personally, I look towards like the liver um, or like blood stagnation. And I'm looking at location as well. Um, you know, is it? Is it in a common liver location? Does it follow the liver meridian or the gallbladder meridian? Um, and yeah, I'm looking at the aspects that affect. Is it worse when the stress comes along? Um, 
or have they just gone through a massive traumatic experience? Um, you know, things like that. Or, you know, what's going on in their life when it come up, if they can remember? You know, did it start during pregnancy? So you're looking at, again, chi and blood deficiency type of stuff. Um, so, yeah, you're really looking... Because derm, it takes a long time to both manifest and treat. Uh, you you really want to try and look at the root cause, where it come from and where it is now, and treat both at the same time. You know, treat the symptomatic stuff so they can feel better straight away. And, you know, most of the time that's that's with topical creams and acupuncture. And then treat the underlying stuff. So treat that with, you know, your internal herbs um, and really focusing down on that internal med. Uh, on your Does that answer your question, Tom? Can on your... I add something quickly? Sorry. Um, just no, no, to no, add to anything. what Nick said about, like, yin de- I associate yin deficiency with the silvery um, plaque thing. It's like um, the skin is broken and then healed over and then broken again and healed over again. It's kind of like there's not enough um, of the fluids to mo- moisten that word um moisten the area hence why it's like breaking like cracking and then healing over that's why you get the plaque formation um and if it's like reddish i kind of associate it with heat because heat red um there might be some heat in the blood and the itchiness kind of associates with the wind aspect so maybe the wind is there but it's not as itchy so maybe you'd focus on something else like if it's super dry then you would look at the yin aspect if it's super purple i kind of go for more of a blood stagnation so i guess what just to reiterate or like reinforce what they were saying is that look at the most prominent aspects of what's going on in the lesion does that help yeah that's Tom? Good. <laughs> does yeah. that kind of answer your questions yeah you guys both answered pretty well okay good <laughs> what's what's some complications <laughs> what's some good complications about um when it comes to treating psoriasis do you think complications i my major complications is it takes a long time it's skin <laughs> it takes a long time to heal yeah um so you've got to be committed to to wanting to help like help um treat this condition as a patient um so you know doing all the right things um with you know with your skin trying not to put too many too much on it or you know expose it too much or itch it too much um you know things like showering for long periods of time you know you want to like all these things can hinder the the uh treatment time so and then you know of course taking your herbs and going to treatments and doing all the right things. I think I think that's probably the hardest aspect of, you know, treating it is doing all the right things. Yeah, I agree definitely, especially with diet and things like that. Um, as a Chinese medicine practitioner, I'm always going to recommend for you to stay away from certain foods or eat more of certain foods. And sometimes people are like, oh, yeah, I'll do that but then when they come back it's just like oh no I didn't think of that so just being active or in in your lifestyle as well as about the treatments so yeah I don't know where I was going yeah, with remember, that train of thought <laughs> uh, just remember that your skin is you know a mirror of what you put in that's a you know mirror of your body so just about everything affects how your skin is going and what you're doing and you know yeah if you're eating a tub of yogurt every morning on that cold stomach 
um, you're you're more than likely going to hinder that treatment process. Um, eating a tub of yogurt isn't going to cause psoriasis, but it isn't going to help it get better. Stop throwing shade at yogurt, dude. <laughs> uh, still conflicted. <laughs> um, uh, we did mention um, psoriatic psoriatic arthritis, <laughs> um, and you guys mentioned uh, psoriatic arthritis. Psoriasis. Psoriasis arthritis. No, Charlene Charlene had a mad confused face. I'm trying to like get her to be like psoriasis and arthritis. (laughs) We didn't mention that. I don't I I don't know I don't think we went super duper 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 in depth. Um but I just wanted to know, just throw in a little bit more info about that. Um because it does happen. It's quite common if I've if if I've seen it a couple of times and Chances are it's probably a little bit common. Um, did you want to give a little explanation on that, if that's right? Uh, I don't remember what I said before, but... <laughs> Just repeat um, yourself then, it's fine. Yeah, coming back to... to Like, it's probably going to be caused by, like, that... Either it's, like, blood deficiency type of thing, or, you know, like, liver blood deficiency, not nourishing the joints, um, or some of that dampness that's that's affecting the joints. And... Again, you want to you want to look at the joints and see see w- which joints are affected um, and how they're affected. Um, you know, are they quite swollen and red? You know, is it like damp heat presentation, or are they just really stiff, like they're not being nourished properly, and that might be more of a blood blood deficiency? Um, you know, are they worse in the morning? Could it be some yin aspect, some of that blood aspect, or you know, overuse? You know, some of that chi blood. Again, um, so th- there's there's multiple factors involved, and I personally would use it, like use that arthritis as well as one of those sort of accompanying symptoms, and then see what's actually happening inside the body, um, and try and work out the pulse and the tongue. You know, is that just you know looking at the pulse? Won't go too heavily into that, but yeah. So again, it's just just one of those things that. You look at it and it's like, yep, that's that helps me diagnose you just that little bit easier because you're giving me more information about what's happening in your body. Nice. That was perfect. That was great. That's exactly what I wanted. <laughs> Can we talk formulas and treatment quickly in the last two minutes? <laughs> do they do they differ? Do they differ from uh, eczema formulas? Well, I was thinking when Nick was talking about psoriatic arthritis, like a duho jishen tang would be really good for that. So, yes. I don't yeah. know. You tell me. The, do they? The thing differ? is, the thing is though with duho jishen ones, what you uh, you got to be careful with is something that I actually encountered the other day. It has um has a lot of warm herbs in it. Rugoi and um dang is it dang dang shen dang shen or ren shen? Completely forgot. It's one of the, it's one of the shins, right? And there there is a lot of warm herbs in that. Um, I I had given it to a patient, and he was like, "Yeah, for some reason I'm feeling a little bit warm, like at, at night." And I'm like, mm, "All right, cool. Well, you know what? If you're feeling too hot, maybe ease it up a little bit." But <laughs> especially especially that's something to definitely uh, definitely is a more of a learning experience because it's like if you have psoriasis and it's like 
obviously worsened by internal heat. If you're going to introduce a lot of more heat into your body through herbs, then you want to be careful, especially when you're dealing with um, arthritis. Maybe that might be aggravated by damp heat or things like that. So good thing to look out for. Yeah, definitely looking at the presentation. Yeah. Um, my my Duho Jixing one, Jixian Tang, doesn't have... Dungeon no. or dungeon. Mine, mine doesn't either. But yeah, uh, well, for, my, for some reason, mine those. did. No, mine yeah. did, and I don't know why. I think I, it could be. But you're right on that. A different oh. formula. You're right on that. That it's got a couple of those warm herbs. Um, you know, it's got feng feng, duhuo, uh, dungwei, xuanxiong. So, and um, depending on where you are, it's also got sisin in it as well. So. There's those quite internally warming herbs in it. So, yeah, definitely comes down to presentation. Yeah. And sort of what's happening in the body. I think, I think... Yeah, it's, f- it's, it's... Sorry. Oh, it's also got raw gui in it. Um, my last thought on that was, because it's such a big formula, you can take things out quite easily. Um, and they don't really have to find a replacement. You can sort of just be like, oh, well, we don't need so much, so much like the liver and tonifying and the warming. So we can take a couple of those out and it's still like a very complete formula. Yeah. I think I think the Continue. more of the type of formulas I t- use is more blood moving. Um obviously depending on the um depending on the actual presentation itself, but I believe that something I wouldn't use for eczema as much opposed to um psoriasis more is something like a tahongsi or tongue or something like that to either to nourish and move the blood. Um to just get get things going. Um and stop there's a lot of formulas you can use yeah with blood there's just like a whole slew of things and you can fine tune each way um if you want more of like a uh, more moving less um less nourishing you know there's there's formulas for that and um if you want more um wait what was the opposite i just said doesn't matter but yeah you get what i'm talking about or if it's like really itchy you could go like the shell things on root or yes or just chuck in a chantway or something yeah, that's right. Yeah, chantue is really good, especially if you have psoriasis on the, like the upper half of your body. So like, yeah, any like the the under the bra line or like any on like hands, head, face. Yeah, that sort of stuff. Any topicals? I feel like coming in with the gems, mate. It's been quiet <laughs> for forty five minutes. <laughs> and it comes in. That's I, I, it. <laughs> it Look at knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> any um any topicals that you can think of? Oh, sorry, Charlie. No, I was just going to say, don't forget to add some herbs in to direct your formula to that area. Like if you've got something on um, on the upper body, you want to direct it up like jiegeng. Or if you've got something lower body, you want like a huanyuxi to kind of go downwards. So yeah, keep that in mind when you're putting together your formulas as well. That's a good tidbit. I like that. Mm. Yeah, for me, that is good. just going back to the topic between um, psoriasis and eczema, I feel like psoriasis is more involved with like wind and the external, because that's why you get that presentation of that white scaly stuff compared to like eczema, which is more like deeper, redder, sort of inside the skin. So I think treating it with more external clearing herbs would be better compared to eczema. Quickly, any topicals that you guys would use? My topicals are generally um, very symptomatic, trying to relieve that itching um, and, you know, sort of cool the skin a little bit. I use a lot of, like, kushen, shugao type of herbs. Um, But I don't go crazy. I'm I'm not a big skin expert. don't really love treating the skin. So 
I don't, yeah, I don't go crazy, but I, I do make up a little, I think it's got like Shudihong, um, Kushen and Shigao. And I just use that as a, you know, just a very quick, um, quick relief on the skin for that itching. A cooling type uh, one. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because just to stop the irritation, um, it's just another step. Right do you up. have one we at are, all, B? We're definitely running out of time. Oh. <laughs> you, you, you wanted to... You had one, B. So I was just asking. Nah, nah, yeah, I didn't. I was just staring at my mic. <laughs> 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 no, you're good. <laughs> I had none. I had, I, 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 you basically... My my topical knowledge is... San Huang. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Has any anybody else got any other little tidbits to throw in in this last... Mental health, stress, what, anxiety, what no, depression. Yeah, these things do, do play. Right, <laughs> 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 oh, so look, we're out of time. Uh, <laughs> definitely mention them to your to your practitioner when you're talking about these things, um, and you know, talking about etiologies and where where things come from. Um, stress and anxiety is definitely one big part. And I think we talked more about stress and anxiety in the alopecia episode. Yeah, I think yeah, so. and I think most of that stuff is relevant to psoriasis as well. So if you want more information, you can check out that one if you haven't already. And as as always, thank you for listening to the Forever Young podcast. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook. And if you have any questions for us, then yeah, you can join our discussion group. And. And, as always, we've been the Forever Young Podcast, and you'll hear from us next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.